0: Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Tuesday, March 3rd. S&P futures are up another 33 points, so that's about 1%. The futures are up uh, about 8.5% since the low hit Friday morning. So obviously, this has been an enormous rebound. Uh, Europe is rallying across the board. Europe is up about 25 uh, to 3%. And Asia's gains overnight were a little bit more muted. So Japan suffered losses. Hong Kong was about flat. Um you no, know, so I think it's very helpful in this environment that people should be coming in and and looking at news before they look at markets, because I think oftentimes we're allowing the latter to influence our kind of fundamental view of the world. so the world was not nearly as bleak as it was last week, and things have not improved nearly as much as the rally yesterday and this morning would suggest um, you know so just getting some of the the news items quickly out of the way. The coronavirus case progression is the same as it's been now for several days, where you have more progress in China and you have more spread outside of China. Um, you know, so the big the big areas of kind of non-China concern remain Italy, Iran, and South Korea, and then Japan to a lesser extent. Um, you had a lot of corporate updates concerning the coronavirus, um, really going back to yesterday morning. I have them all uh, outlined in today's Vital Dawn. So Visa, Microchip, Logitech. Hyatt were the big ones out overnight. Um, you know, I would say that you certainly are seeing companies report disruptions. Some are reporting larger disruptions than others, um, but I definitely don't think that the earnings fallout is as dramatic as I think some people were fearing last week. So, you know, I think one hundred seventy dollars is still reasonable to assume for calendar 20, that's by no means conservative. You could easily clip a few dollars off of that. I think you're still going to have the bulk of the coronavirus disruptions confined to Q1. um, And those disruptions will begin to abate in calendar Q2 and beyond. Uh, I thought one of the more notable important headlines out today was Foxconn, which is Apple's biggest manufacturing partner, um, primarily based in China, talked about how they'll be back to fully normalized operations by the end of March. Um, So again, I think that kind of largely comports with expectations. You continue to see a normalization of economic activity in China and supply chains normalizing. So I think in aggregate, the earnings, the various different earnings updates, whether it's qualitative or quantitative that we've seen from companies, I think has been encouraging versus I think the sentiment last week. Uh, You're going to have a G7 conference call today that's due to start at 7am. This is not a public call. Um, so the various G7 finance ministers and central bankers will be on this call. Um, you know they're going to make kind of the the vague types of conciliatory remarks that you'd expect, talking about how they stand ready to take action. Uh, it does not look like you're going to see this massive coordinated um, policy response, though. Um, you know you had the ECB out last night that echoed what the BOJ and BOE said Monday morning, and then both the, everyone echoed what the Fed said Friday afternoon. Just essentially that central banks are monitoring that they stand to they stand ready to take action. You're very likely to see a Fed cut on the 18th at the next meeting, probably could be as large as 50 basis points. Um, you know the ECB meets next week. I don't necessarily think the ECB were they to cut rates would necessarily be a positive given that you're already in negative territory and given that the market has, is quite ambivalent at best and probably net negative when it comes to negative rates. So the ECB's toolkit is a little bit more exhausted than the Fed's, but in general, I still don't think that monetary policy is what's called for to really combat the the current crisis. I get that monetary policy is the easiest lever to pull, um, but you know, and I get why markets are are excited by the prospect of easier monetary policy. I just don't think you're going to really see it change the um, you know the trajectory of the coronavirus crisis. This is not an issue uh, having to do with um you know, monetary accommodation. So those are kind of the major items to note. You are going to have various OPEC meetings. You have OPEC advisory committees. You have the official OPEC meeting of the OPEC plus meetings. Um, you know, the big issue is whether or not Russia will agree to a larger cut. It looks like they'll probably get on board at the end of the day. Um, you know, so Saudi Arabia had been throwing out numbers as big as a million barrels per day. The advisory committee recommendation of a few weeks ago was six hundred thousand. I'd imagine we're probably closer to six hundred thousand. You know, Russia is still um, not committing formally in public. Putin commented over the weekend about how he's relatively comfortable with current oil prices, and you know the the Russian budget does not require oil to be as high as the Saudi budget. So Saudi Arabia is a little bit more desperate, but it seems at the end of the day you're going to see them some come to some type of an accord. Um, like I said before, you had Australia cut rates overnight. That was mostly expected um, within the last 48 hours, everyone thought that they would cut. I would go back a week ago and most people thought they would stay unchanged. So Australia cut the Malaysian central bank cut. on the political front, you know, the the Biden momentum, the Biden rally continues. So you know, really going back to last week's debate where he had the best performance, of all the Democratic debates so far, and then obviously with a huge win in South Carolina, you had Klobuchar, you had Budzcheck drop out of the race and endorse him, you had Beto O'Rourke endorse him, you had Harry Reid endorse him. So you have, you know, the quote unquote establishment Democratic Party is clearly lining up behind him into Super Tuesday today. Um, you know, I think you know the, the all the polling numbers. Um, as of just a few days ago, are probably almost irrelevant at this point, just given how much movement there's been. But Sanders still has momentum in a lot of the key states, especially California, which will be handing out the most delegates. Um, you know, so it still looks like Sanders will win the most delegates coming out of today, although probably not enough to be considered the presumptive or the inevitable candidate. So, you know, Biden definitely picked up a ton of momentum. He should do better than some of the polls were suggesting last week. Um, but Sanders is still probably, like I said, going to win the majority of uh, the delegates being handed out today. And then, as far as the market's concerned, I still think, you know, it, it, it kind of has this, this bipolar attitude whereby Sanders is thought to be the easiest candidate for Trump to face. And so it welcomes Sanders' momentum. However, if the coronavirus crisis were to continue, um, over the coming weeks and months, and the economy really does suffer material downturn, that obviously will erode Trump's prospects. And so um even against someone like Sanders, in which case then the market would prefer a more moderate person to be the Democratic nominee um, if the odds of the Democrats winning are higher. So I think at the moment, it's still, um you know, the tape would still prefer Sanders to become the nominee just given um, that Trump is preferred over all the all the Democratic candidates. Um, but obviously, the coronavirus is going to play into that. And just for the broader tape, like I said at the start, um, you know, I don't think this market deserves to be above 3100 That's kind of my ceiling. Um, we're essentially at that right now. We've had an enormously impressive rebound. We had an enormously impressive um, you know, panic sell-off last week. I think we should just kind of look through a lot of this noise and try to put a fundamental framework around everything. $170, I think, is a fair estimate. It's by no means conservative for this year. And I would say the risks are probably skewed to the downside rather than to the upside. And then 18 times is still a very generous multiple. So again, I think even before the coronavirus, this market did not deserve to be at the multiples it had been at back in February. So 18 times and 170 gets you to you know 3,100 approximate ceiling. And like I said, we're at that point. So I think just as last week, we needed to keep the panic in check. We have to keep, I think, the enthusiasm in check on days like this. And just again, kind of don't let the price action bleed into our views on the market and what's actually occurring in the world and, and with underlying fundamentals. Um, so just on the calendar, quick, like I said, this G7 call at 7am, I assume there'll be a statement released after it. I'm sure the statement's already written. The call is kind of just um, an afterthought at this point. Um, you have obviously the Super Tuesday races. You're probably not going to see any real results until late tonight. So it's, pro- it's that's more uh, an issue for tomorrow morning. Um, you have a couple of earnings reports that will be in focus. So Coles and Target are out this morning. And then after the close, you have HP enterprises and urban outfitters. And then you have more conferences. So you, you know you have conferences in healthcare energy, TMT. Um, and you're going to get a lot of updates from companies again about just kind of the state of, of business trends as they combat coronavirus disruptions. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.